This is Charlotte Pierce. I'm the producer of Ready Row USA. And at, at Ready Row USA, in our three years of broadcasting, we've seen firsthand that rowing changes lives. And we're on a mission to connect and collaborate with the rowing community. So from boathouses to masters, beginners, legends, vendors, activists, like the uh, couple of the folks we have on today, Will Goldenheim and Matt Zatorski. And we love rowing. We love talking about rowing, advocating for inclusion and diversity in the sport, and just hanging out with rowers at regattas and wherever we can. And I have to say that nothing gives us a greater thrill than seeing that little notification dot on Instagram or Twitter. So that's one way that our audience gets personal attention to questions, comments, and episode suggestions. And our sponsors and partners receive a value that far exceeds their investment. So please chime in um, on any of our uh, social media platforms and contact us through readyrowusa.com. So we're celebrating three years of production and 100 episodes. So we're now like on 106, I think, <laughs> um, with this one about fearless change in rowing. While we're celebrating, we want to give a shout out to our first distributor, Rebecca Caro of Rowing Chat and Faster Masters for giving us a start in 2018. And we're now on our own distribution with Transistor. Um, so we're uh, navigating all that <laughs> learning experience as well. But so please join us on the live stream. We've got a lot more coming up. We've got some great um, coverage in 2022. Hard to believe that it's going to be next week, and uh, we'd love to have you join the conversation. This is Roa Palooza. We have a lot of gratitude for, for being here and being able to uh, provide a voice for people in rowing. We would like to uh, welcome Matt Zatorski, William Goldenheim, and our host, Ryan Worth, who's coming to us from Chattanooga. We're also, we have our new website, so excited, um, readyrowusa.com created by Good Inklings, one of our sponsors. Sykes Rowing, along with Resolute, uh, is also a sponsor. The Fabio's uh, Selvig from Sykes and Resolute will be on the podcast tomorrow on our number six, um, our sixth Rowapalooza, talking about uh, manufacturing and the supply chain and so forth and how that affects rowers, along with uh, Ali Abrams of JL Racing. Burnham Boatslings is another sponsor. We love them. And they're going to be on to help introduce our Ready Row USA Hall of a Customer Service Hall of Fame again in uh, January. Good inklings and Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year. I'm going to uh, let Ryan Worth take it from here. Ryan, thank you for being host. No, thank you, Charlotte. And thank you, Matt and Will, for being here on the show today. Really excited to talk to you guys about your programs happening East Coast and West Coast. How, uh, Matt, how does today find you out in Seattle? Uh, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened to the coast. Um, I, uh, we've got a little bit of snow and by a little bit. I mean, uh, we got, I think, five or five to seven, depending on where you were at the other night. And airports are feeling it. We got another <laughs> dusting last night. But we did get out on the water today. So it was our first day out in a couple of days. It was actually super nice. And finally, safe winds calmed down. So um, any day we can... Uh, get out on the water. We take advantage of it out here. I love it. A lot of people in the country probably don't think Seattle's a year-round rowing destination, but it definitely is, isn't it? A hundred percent. 
Yeah. Well, and on the other side of things over in Massachusetts, Will, how are, how are you seeing things today? Well, I have to admit, I, I am not currently there, right? I'm, uh, I'm lucky enough that I got to go down to Florida for a couple of days, uh, just got down today, and it is very nice to escape some of that New England cold. Not a lot of rowing happening on the water up there, is it? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's one of the differences, I think, Matt, between your program and mine is that you've got people who I, I think are already somewhat committed. They're trying to get better. I am trying to get people to start. And so that's the thing, like we can row right now, but I also want them to come back the next day. And so if you take somebody, a high school kid or a middle school kid who's never done this and it's 30 degrees and windy, you're probably not going to get a repeat offender, if you will. Yeah. Well, and we also got the concerns over safety on the water. Um, yeah, of course. And Ben Booth, who's been on the show a little bit, he's part of the Coastal Committee, but he's a year-round rower on the coast of Massachusetts, you know, and there there are ways to do it safely. But that's getting us a little sidetracked. Well, let's start with you. Let's hear a little bit about your program that you're starting there. So I started this uh, a, a little over a year ago, and it's been a longer time in my mind as these things mm -hmm. tend to tend to happen. The idea behind it, though, is that the city of Lynn and really the surrounding areas, we've got a few other towns that are, are really great towns with really great people, but they just don't have the opportunities for getting on the water for the majority of their residents. And I got to say right up front, I'm riding a lot of incredible coattails. There's some incredible momentum in this, as, as you guys both know, and as I'm sure everybody knows. Uh, and I'm, I'm jumping on that bandwagon full heartedly. But the idea is to really to provide access to water sports and maritime education for the people on the North Shore of Boston. And that's Lynn. You can see it in the map. But then in the surrounding communities, Saugus, Revere, et cetera. Uh, and I know rowing. That's That was my sport for, what, 20, 23, 24 years, something like that. And so that's why I started with rowing. But we also offer kayaking, and we're going to grow uh, to additional sports as well. So that's where we stand today. What are those additional, what are the other two sports you're going to add, Will? Uh, it's not, not just two necessarily, but uh, we are in the process of actually buying a fleet of kayaks right now from Paddle Boston, which is for the people who know the Charles River, they do all the rentals, um, which are, you know, I'm not sure if I should bring up the, can, the canoe and kayak rentals on a rowing podcast because those, you know, there's a little headbutting there, um, but they've been awesome and they're helping us get set up to take kids and adults alike out kayaking. And you can see this is a picture on the bottom right. We were able to bring a group of 15 kids from the Boys and Girls Club of Lynn out kayaking right here on our home pond in Lynn. Um, but we're also hoping to grow to things like paddle boarding, which is a lot of people think that's the, the, the cool thing to do, which is, you know, and it's, it's not that hard to get it going in terms of an operational standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to start to partner with some local yacht clubs to bring the sport of sailing to the communities as well. Amazing. And Will, for you, what is your business structure like? At, You're looking at, at it. Time? <laughs> well, is, are you established as an LLC or a nonprofit? Or? We're a nonprofit. Okay. We're a nonprofit. We're a 501c3 charitable organization. And... I, I knew that we wanted to do that right away. Uh, I had no intention of making it a for-profit business, not because there's anything inherently wrong with that. And I think quite the contrary, um, without trying to 
get on a slippery slope there. I just knew that for for what we wanted to do, uh, we wanted to, to help the community and provide community access. And, and I thought from the beginning, the best way of doing that and getting some funding and getting cooperation with the local municipal governments would be to establish ourselves as a nonprofit. Yeah. Well, and even as a nonprofit, to be successful, you're going to have to run a successful business program where revenue has to come in somehow, right? And then product has to be delivered to the, the uh, public there. And that's, that's awesome that you're taking that. Now, let's flip the coin and talk about running a rowing club as an LLC. It's really not much different in what your ultimate mission is, right, Matt? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, and I think, well, the, you were, you used a word there, mission, which, right, like, um, as a 5013C, like, and as, as you guys just mentioned, it's not a business model per se, as a tax relationship to your taxes. Um, and, and how do you gather capital, quite honestly, right? So are you, are you, um, using community funds? Like, are you going to the community asking for, then it should be a community program now, shouldn't it? Like as a mission, right? So that's a very, um, when done correctly, um, tried and true system, and it's probably the most prevalent one in, in our uh, sports culture. I think the difference on it, and it just boils down to a couple things in difference, like, A, where does the money come from? Like, I'm only able to do what I can, right, with the power of my business and value, right, whatever those are. Um, and as a owner-operator, right, like what you guys don't see and what nobody else sees, um, but people who are close to us know inherently is you don't, it's not me, um, it's my wife, Katie, and then me. <laughs> and it's not, it's not like, oh, I have somebody behind me support. No, like that, that's someone who takes care of 100% of the business side um, while operating her own. Um, she's the, also the principal on her own consulting business. So she's, she's busy on top of busy, but she also drives not only the, 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 you know, making sure the billing, all these other things, but also a lot of our long-term strategy and things too. Like, so I'm, I'm actually following over here more. So if, if, as much as leading. So that's kind of, I, I like to say I follow at least 51% of the time around here. Um, but uh, keeps management happy. But um, but that's the other thing, like that's the people other don't, people see is that it is just a, a couple, a, a literal couple who owns a business um, and has, and it operates on a set of family values, right? Like, so um, I always say like, who owns the business? It's important to know that, right? Is it the community? Like, is it a board? Is it a, uh, you know, who's making the, the decisions about the long-term growth and then why, right? You know, like for me, it's like, I probably want to do this forever with this little business that we like, that's, I'm, I'm not thinking about short-term stuff. Um, we are a young business in a very, uh, well, I'll say challenging time for, for LLCs, young LLCs, but um, we're, stat we're we couldn't be happier at where we're at and that we continue to grow. So um, I think that's the main, it's not what we're doing and how, even not so much how we do it. I think we actually, I learn a lot from community-based programs in terms of how to grow my population. Um, it's actually, I, the difference is I have, I'm limited by my, how much value I can create and, and invest back in the company and all those things. Um, but also I can move quicker, right? So I, I, I'm just under the assumption that I'm dying tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and so I'll just, we'll just, we'll fail a lot quicker through things, I think is another advantage. Um, but yeah, we'll stumble through it and, and we kind of have to, or else we die. Like that's just how it goes. Right. It's kind of like looking at the strength versus, or the speed versus armor in a video game character. 
Correct. Know, the LLC very well may be able to maneuver faster, and that might be advantageous, but it's also a very precarious position to be in. Whereas, you know, hopefully, Will, down the road, you find yourself um, having to manage a team of people who are coming out and helping run tons of programming, right? But I think the challenges of setting up, um, that's a bumpy road, isn't it? I mean, that's not that's not a go to the courthouse and get your paperwork kind of an, of an endeavor, is it? I'm asking, Will, because I think there are a lot of folks who have known rowing in the past or know it now, and they're in places like you where you're very close to a mecca of rowing, but your body of water doesn't see people putting blades in very often, and you want to grow that, and you want to get more people out there to do it. So when that thought hits you a year or two ago, what was your thought process in deciding to establish as a 501c3? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of things, and, and there are a couple things to unpack. I mean, starting an organization, whatever the, the legality or the legal structure is, is never going to be easy. And one of the challenges is that uh, this is the, the unpaid second job that I have, and that's certainly a challenge. Uh, luckily, my, my employer is very supportive of the whole endeavor. The other, the other part of it, part of it that I wanted to bring up is that, you know, I, this is not my thought by any stretch of the imagination. You can attribute this concept to, to a, a whole number of people, but I think the best way to grow is to realize your own limitations and then to figure out who's better and then to convince them that they should help you. And, and I'm not good at any of those, uh, but I'm trying to figure it out. And so one of the ways that I was able to get the 501c3 pathway initiated and then completed actually is to figure out, well, who is an amazing lawyer and who loves rowing? And I'm lucky enough to work with Carr and Davies as, as our organization's lawyer. I mean, that doesn't, uh, not a lot of people get to say that and, and boy, am I lucky that I get to. So, you, you know, surround yourself with people who are really, really smart and things work out a little bit better in the long run. Uh, but then to go back to like, what was my mindset? Honestly, I think you actually, I like, you know, bringing up Bruce Smith again, this is something that I think he used to do. And, and I took this from him a fair bit. You have to take this ready, fire, aim approach to whatever you're doing and have some faith that it's going to work out. If you have put some of the systems in place or, started to work with the right people as I was talking about. And I think that's what we did. And it's, it's cool, Matt, that you talk about how you and your wife are doing this because anytime I say we, I'm talking about me and my wife. And it's like, it's really interesting to see all of the craziness that happens in the background mm -hmm. so that your face can be totally calm when you've got kids on the water. Yeah. But again, if you, I think, I knew this, I knew this opportunity needed to happen. I believe in it with my, my whole heart. And I think I just dove in head first and was like, well, we're going to figure it out because I've invested money. A lot of people have invested money and the community believes in it. So there's, there's no turning back now. That's wonderful. Well, and it really hits on the title of the episode and this fearless change, because starting any type of new thing, new endeavor is going to be scary. If it's not scary, then you're not thinking about it, I guess. Um, but I just wanted to go ahead real quick and look at both of you guys' mission statements, because it says a lot. And you've both done a nice job, I think, of capturing what you're out there doing in that. And so 
you know, for at Northwest Maritime Center, provide opportunities to raise up and enrich communities through access to new opportunities, active engagement, and redefining of the representation in water sports and maritime education. And so, well, I think that that's really that's really exciting. Like you say, you're riding some coattails, you're building a team around you that is going to be smart and help make that happen well. And it's going to be really exciting to watch. And I think a lot of people in the rowing community hopefully are going to be able to add you to the list of references that they're looking at and modeling after. Now, in contrast, and I love that you guys are both on the show today because there is great contrast for you guys over in Seattle, Matt, it's athlete development, right? What do you know? Your Do you have a mission statement? You know, um, I just, there's those three kind of, not three, there's those three kind of pillars that you're looking at so that around athlete development, um, you know, research-based, uh, athlete-centered and process-oriented. Those are the kind of, um, I would say like every, all the, all the systems are built on those three pillars. All our decision-making's done by, we have like these nine values. They're like, they're on my the phone, but like I look at them every day. They're the, they're, they're the things I know that will, if we always do this in our family, because our family works really well when we, when we adhere to these nine values. So why doesn't, and I actually find that it's actually super valuable in this setting when I'm dealing with other, other people's children, um, that, that decision-making that way. But, um, but besides, but yeah, those, the athletes that came out, I think more from my history, um, with the IRL and got the opportunity to be go to like, there was, the the emergence of long-term athlete development was like early 2011, 12 in that area. Um, I happened to be going to a couple of and seeing this coming. It just made so much sense, right? Oh, do what the research is. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, focus the outcomes around the athlete instead of, you know, the team or, or whatever, or, and, and, oh, like not care so much about the medals, you know, and maybe be more focused on the, how you do things on a daily basis, love the, with the process, like those things just made so much sense to me. And, and, um, you know, there, there's, I think, different people around U.S. rowing now, but the U.S. Uh, even in me was not interested in that kind of thing. So to me, this was a lot of um, my swing in terms of like, hey, let's this could be great for rowing because it rowing hasn't existed along this way. So that drives a lot of the structure around here um, just in terms of the athlete experience, for sure. But that's because there's a there's a great community based rowing program that we actually work with, you know, that we're actually really stoked as is town. You know, we're not. We're we're a different value in in a in a very actually vibrant rowing community, um, and then you know we we love to be part of that, but as a right here's it like we are a uh, in a business environment right so we actually work with another privately owned business in Lake Union Crew with with um, Mar Beckard who's been fantastic for us, um, you know like in terms of. Uh, helping us grow, helping like, but that's the thing we both want to do well, you know, <laughs> like we're incentivized to like, you know, bring more people to it either way. And also we're also very, it's very nice that she's all masters and mostly sweep and I'm all youth and like, like, so there's a nice little con, like we fit each other very well too. So like, so there's all these things and they, they, they're, they're all behind why we're able to have success. Right. That's the other thing you mentioned, putting yourself around, like I'm the same exact way, like put me around some people who are doing things better than I am. Um, and then that's how I learn. Um, and I think uh, specifically I'm able to apply things to our business. Um, but yeah, the I think that's the athlete development end of, of it comes from those kind of uh, three pillars. Absolutely. Well, and you mentioned the the differences or, and we're looking at this contrast between the two programs. You know, Will's not probably going to be looking for U23 athletes, 
and doing active recruitment towards that. We're hitting different demographics in our sport. But we're only scratching the surface. If U.S. rowing <laughs> membership numbers. I think yeah. when you look, we look at this compared to other sports and the uh, number of playing fields that we have in this country um, where we could be offering this type of programming, man, it's a club down the road is not competition. A club down the road is just going to help the buzz. And, Correct. You know, and, and let's like the, the, the thing that I love about us actually is that we're so limited in like in my ability to maintain a roster. So what I hope to happen is to demonstrate success enough to the point where there's a bunch of me in town. So I don't have to drive a trailer full of boats to Florida, you know, to go fate race fast cruise. So the point like, yeah, that's, and like, that's a, that's a, that's what I, as opposed to the one place in town. Right. And I think you guys are get to be a part of that. Like you've got a vibrant rowing community in Boston, right? Like the, the programs open up, they don't close, you know, like there's, there's, there's a demand, but also uh, a community. And like, you've, you've got some, like, that's a, that's a pretty great, uh, you know, lawyer recommend or to have on hand, right? Like that's the piece. Like you have those resources. Um, professionally, there's different places, Boston and, and Seattle. You know, to be quite honest, but um, it's a, I, I think also, but yeah, finding what's what's uh, what are your main resources? To me, it's the water, um, and and my and my time. Like because I'm in a different place too, being the owner. I'm not an employee. Um, I like we are in. You have to be able to be in a position, like quite honest, either of us are, to be able to use our time in a way that's fully investing in a thing, as opposed to pulling out of it. I'll be honest, if you're and you're of a, of a, a white dude of a certain age, like, like, and you're not leveraging every point of privilege you have, I don't know what, like, that's where I'm just, I don't know what to do for you, you know, like, yeah, it takes a little bit more extra to like make it not like it's been look at this screen forever you know like and finding resources in the community um because there's a lot of folks of color that are doing it really well and they're super valuable and in, in terms of you want to know i could list people um who have been helping us out and 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 be this kind of club that is inclusive even though it's in a way exclusive because i'm just got limited by roster size eventually you know like so let, that's a thing and uh how i can leverage those resources continually um towards other things besides just my own personal athletes. That's another thing. I got boats. I got boats in time. So um, I've been able to figure out how to use those in ways that aren't just, you know, in my four to six area with with my athletes. That's great. Now, Will, I, I want to go back to the relationship you talked about with the canoe and kayak rental in Boston. Because most, peop most people that have rowed on the Charles there past the canoe and kayak rental would not think that there is anything good about that place. Not on a busy, warm day, um, because it look they look like they're trying to run into you, right? But anyhow, that's, that's anecdotal. It's water sports, isn't it? We could take rowing out of any of the statements we're making and say stand-up paddleboarding, kayaking, canoeing. And those sports aren't even as big as us. Sailing, yes. Um, but sailing is tough to do when there's no wind rowing is is pretty good at weathering that so you know for you matt do you see other water sports participation in other com, you know competitive or recreational either way um seattle is a very unique city like you said but do you get people who saw a boat a shell while they were on a different type of boat or something like that is that very common for you yes and i think you know i think will nailed a bunch of this when he's even when we were talking earlier um uh, it's a, there's a nautical culture, right? And I think that's the thing we both share, um, regardless if it's rowing or not. And 
why wouldn't you take advantage of it? You know, I'm a big fan of the cross sport synergies, you know, like, uh, we like to see each other do well. And, and I know it's it's a little bit hard. To, like there's certain boat classes that make things more difficult around here than, than others. But I also think the it's not my water. That's a, a big problem, I think, with rowing is the entitlement to the to the space that comes along with around with being around it for a longer period of time, maybe. You know, if you've if you've launched from the same dock for 30 years, you, you may f- fall into the false impression that you have some ownership of it. But um, actually, I think all the sh- the more you're doing of that, the better, actually, because you have a more robust environment as opposed to just relying on the single idea of what the thing is. And I want to I jump onto that because, like, it, it is incredible to me, and I have been in bo- on both sides of this, as somebody who has trained on the Charles River and been annoyed by the people in the duck boats quacking at you and annoyed at the kayakers. Like I, I see that and there is a huge amount of entitlement there. No question about it. But then when I'm on the other side of this, like my interactions with Paddle Boston have been so phenomenal. Those like if you think about it, they are doing it. They are getting people on the water. And what else what else is there when it comes to my mission? And I know, Matt, you and I are not uh, we're not doing the exact same thing, which is great. But what else is there? They're getting people who wouldn't necessarily be on the water on the water. And so when you think about it like that, it's nobody's river, it's everybody's river. And, and I've seen a lot of that, that positive attitude where I am up in Lynn, where we row, it's called Sluice Pond. And there's a Sluice Pond Association. It's all the people who have their private homes right on that pond. And they have been so awesome. You know, I was really nervous about it. So what I did is in our first season, um, actually with the high school where I coach, anytime I saw somebody out on their dock, the first thing I did is I'd, I'd sort of let the kids flounder a little bit. I'd go over in the launch and I would say, my name's Will Goldenheim. I, I'm coaching here and I'm sorry. Sorry for anything we're doing wrong. Just let me know what it is. And every single person said, no, 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 this is awesome. We want to see the pond used by more people in more ways. And so it's really kind of neat. And I think like people need to have that perspective that the water is a resource to be shared by everybody. And, you know, sure, we all get stuck in our ways. We get stuck in our routines and all that. But it's it's nothing but incredible when you get more people on the water, especially those people who didn't have access before. That's great. Now, for the three of us, and Matt, you touched on this, very similar physical appearance, um, very similar backgrounds, you know, through rowing. We found the sport in certain ways. Um, any good examples of people who have gone to places that don't have a maritime culture because that's another thing that three of us live in is we live in cities where paddling on the lunch break would be a, would be a thing to go do how do we get people on the water in a place where that waterway would not normally ever have a boat in it but is capable of taking you know some crews out in terms of you know different i've been i've made the mistake of you know i was i've i've had, if you're a dude my age um, of this complexion, you've, you've probably had your fav, phase of white saviorship just comes with the territory. And, and mine came at CRLS in Boston, walking around the, I was on, on staff, was able to get in the school and got kids that I had relationships with. I was like, yo, why aren't you rowing? And the answer was always very simple. It's like, yo, Mr. Z, I go by, I walk by the river every day. Those kids don't look like me. And it was just like, yeah, why am I going to mess with it? If it's, and it was just always, it was that straightforward and simple. Um, and like, I got, I just have lucky to have resources. Um, and when it comes to like 
who's doing the kind of work in, in populations that don't see it. If you're like, you know, like I have an obvious one in Arshay Cooper, who's uh, I get to just per, like hum, humble brag. I got to be the the dude that we we rode the same or one of the dudes we shared water back in the day on on, on the lagoon for a quick season and in, in what was that the spring of 1998 but i didn't see him then you know like that's the thing like i i didn't like i we didn't interact there was no interaction there was none you know i joke around like it was the only thing you know we we rode the same time of day same place um but just were separated by a giant system of both wealth and inequity <laughs> you know like because that's the reality um but what he's doing from a talk about and will in the community-based approach um is incredible um, and I think what he's doing is he's identifying what he's doing is identifying people that are and supporting that are already successful. And so he's, there's this kind of cadre of like, uh, you know, just follow his, his feed if you want to see who's doing it. And, you know, it's the it's the Brandon Johnson's, it's the Craig White's, Patrick. I could go on. There's just follow. Just follow. Because that's what I think a lot of us who look like this, who are doing well, actually are doing um, is we're paying attention to the people who are actually growing our sport. Right. And trying to and like mimic. Uh, and so like and find those. And guess what? They're super receptive to, to all every kind of re- reaching out I've done it in at all. So like they're they're there. You know, you don't have to create them. So um, that's what I, like a big thing for me is just like actually getting over any kind of like personal anxiety. Like, oh, my gosh, because they, they are kind of big deals. Uh, but guess what? They're super interested in, in all the kind of building of the sport that goes on um, and our, our wealth of resources. So that's always been that's my thing is like I don't and just just go get them and social media. You can find out who's doing what, you know, it's it's an interesting uh, vehicle for that in that way. Yeah, it's an interesting time to live, too, with the access to so much information. Um, and we are still really a, a small sport. I know I've said that a few times, but comparing the numbers of any other youth sport or adult participation in outdoor activities, like rowing's tiny and it's just up from here. So I think Matt, really looking forward to seeing how Seattle Scholars goes over the next 30 years, you know, and the role it plays in Seattle. Will, really look forward to seeing your next, well, you'll, you're only a year in, so you're just a little baby program. So just now getting getting going over there. Is there anything that you guys can share that has been a, we all want the golden egg, right? But what piece of information can you share in just making getting on the water easy and doing it often? And so we're hitting anybody from recreational through competitive. What's been the biggest win for you guys and or the thing that you've found success in doing on a regular basis. Uh, Matt, let me ask you first, because you've been at it in your model for a little bit now. To me, specifically within our model, it's the ability to use my time as I can. You know, I, we, you know, I don't mention the two kids who are, we have two young businesses, two young kids, all under the age of five years, right? And so we're just trying to keep all four alive. You know, like, and so the, it takes a lot of, uh, if I'm going to euphemize it, ingenuity, you know? So like I, I, I'm out there when I can be and when I'm not, I'm on kid and vice versa. And um, so like, that's just how it is. But also that's actually really great because I have people in the mid I can do. And so like, you know, in the year of the pandemic, in the year that our second child was born. Uh, so I, I took some quote unquote time. We ran 771 sessions in 365 days, right? So like that as a athlete development model, like shoot in when you can get get the kind of you know here's the thing we have athletes who train one day a week 
middle schoolers. Right? That, that's the thing. You're right. We talked about this earlier. There's when the cold and the rain out here. Like, if the if if I was making middle schoolers mm-hmm. come five days a week, they would hate it. But when they decide on their own to come, and I say, "Hey, look, it's kind of crappy out. What do you want to hit the erg or go out?" They're like, "I definitely want to go out," and they take that sense of accountability into it. Um, then they always want to be there, right? So, like, that's the other thing. You only come when you want around here. It's not like that. If you miss this, this the seat in the boat that day, you, your your opportunity is gone. It's not. There's none of that. You know, there's just it's come when you're happy and, and available, um, and then you get hooked on it. Hopefully, and if not, I'll help you stay around the sport forever. You know, you don't have nobody has to. The outcomes don't drive the thing. Um, as long as you're here, you're here. You're on the roster. Right? It doesn't matter to me what your what your goals are. It matters that you feel that there's a pathway to them, um, and that you're that you're happy with us, and that keeps our business healthy. You're staying light on your feet to make sure that you're setting programming up that's going to give the people that are in front of you the opportunities that they want to develop. Now, Will, how about you? What have you found to be important in success? You've already mentioned a few. One of them was making connections in your community. When you're out on the water and you see one of your neighbors on the pond on their dock, you're saying hi. And the other is that you've already reached out to that momentum to help try to gather it towards your cause. Now, is there something that you haven't mentioned yet? I'm I'm doubling down on that without question, uh, just with a slightly different twist. Supporting the community is really important, but that that comes in multiple forms. Maybe it's private individuals who who are sort of an interface between what you're doing in the community, and they have extreme power to support you or not as they see fit. But then in terms of getting kids on the water or getting adults on the water, I think one of the things I have to realize is that there are a lot of organizations out there who have huge momentum and and huge enrollment and so what i'm trying to do is join forces with other organizations that are doing great work in the community one example is the boys and girls club you know we're starting a week from thursday we're starting a winter training program at the local boys and girls club and land indoors so that's going to get 24 kids exposed to the sport that have not been exposed before and then partnering with the local YMCA, which is an, an incredible brand new facility to make sure that anybody who wants to participate in rowing understands first, you don't need to be able to swim, but also if you want to learn to swim, we can get you free swim lessons, you know, things, things like that. So ad- admitting that you don't need to do everything on your own and finding that community support in other organizations has been really helpful so far. And I expect it'll be really helpful going forward as well. I think there's a lot of people that are in the game with us that really appreciate you guys sharing this afternoon or this evening, depending on what time zone we're in. Thank you guys both for being here. We're going to bring Charlotte back in real quick to talk about the next few episodes coming up. Yeah, this has been just great listening to, I, I love it when you come on to host Ryan, because then I can just sit back and listen and get and absorb some of this stuff. And I, I just, I, I think it's, if, if I can pat myself on the back for getting the two Will and Matt on different parts of the country, different types of programs. And Will, I'm going to come up. I'm going to bring my little um, Sykes 135 up there and, and row with you guys someday. Please do. Please yeah. do. I was actually thinking about maybe doing a learn to row coaching course or something. I don't know if I'd be a good coach or not, but you know, maybe. My experience is that interest in coaching makes you good enough for, yeah. for the yeah. entry level. Yeah.
Okay. Well, I'd like to see more people get involved in the sport that I love. So uh, one thing we have, uh, we have a lot of stuff planned. We have two more episodes. This, um, uh, if you're, if you're watching us live in the live stream or the video replay, um, you'll see the lineup that we have uh, tomorrow. It's uh, like I mentioned earlier, JL Racing and, and Sykes talking about supply chain and, and how that trickles down to maybe price increases or, or whatever, or how people, how companies are coping and how that might affect the rower or the club. And then we're wrapping up the uh, three-year, 100-episode celebration with Row for Your Life, which is kind of, as a 65-year-old master's rower, semi-competitive, I, I just... I think a day that goes by that I don't either erg or get on the water is, you know, it's, I feel, uh, it's like a day wasted. <laughs> um, maybe not, but I try and, you know, this is what I do to improve the quality of my life. And I think a lot of us masters rowers are like that. So we have Nick Karwaski of uh, Hydro. He's an athlete with Hydro. Amazing, amazing athlete. Um, and he's also started a training program called Tag Along with a Pro. And then we have one of my friends from Spokane, um, Marnie Schroer. She's done so, had some injuries, and so she's going to be talking about, you know, masters rowers and um, you know rehab and 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 kind of planning ahead for the best outcome of your athletic experience. I actually rode a quad with her on the Spokane River. A few years ago. And then Blake Gorley of the Science of Rowing, and he also has a training program. Uh, Science of Rowing is one of my favorite organizations. They just, they do a lot of technical research and they talk about technical stuff, but it's all very understandable. And I'm kind of probably the least technical person out there in, in terms of, uh, you know, being a scientist or a data scientist or a you know, a phys physicist or whatever. But uh, we have a lot of great episodes coming up in 2022. You'll find them on readyrowusa.com. We're going to be diving into a recovery of all kinds. And, and you guys, if you have suggestions for um, people who can speak to those topics that we've got coming up, you'll find all of these on readyrowusa.com. We also want to make sure people know that we have club spotlights so we'll highlight a club we'll do it on this you know just at the drop of a hat just tell us you want to be on and we'll do a, a live stream and uh so we've we've gone we've done a lot of fun uh you know popping in on clubs around the country so thank you guys thank you ryan for taking over you're the best and uh, let's let's keep the the conversation going about changing rowing for the better appreciate the opportunity well, thank you very much. Yeah, you guys are great. Thank you so much. See you tomorrow for our next uh, Roa Palooza episode. Thank you so much.